I can vividly remember sitting on the floor at my home in Omaha, holding my infant child in my hands. I was looking down at her, she was looking up at me, and I remember saying, what now? I was a young mom who hadn't spent much time around children. I had just finished up a college basketball career and a year of coaching and teaching at Millard West High School. What did I have to offer this little baby in my care? Why in the world did the hospital let me take her home? I knew nothing about being a mom. I didn't know what the best children's authors were, what toys produced the best brain development. I knew absolutely nothing about being a mom, let alone a mom who could represent Jesus well to her children. Have you ever felt that desperate, that insecure, that lack of purpose? Some of you out there are wearing a mask and you're hiding behind this image of happening to look like you're the perfect family, happening to look like you've got it all put together. Have you ever felt that your self-worth and your identity is getting caught up in the world, what others say about you, what others say about your kids? Have you felt so desperate that as you pray, you have no words to pray for the groans of your heart? or you can't worship because tears just come as you try to sing. You are not alone. Even though many of us wanna hide that, you are not alone. Adrian asked me to share a message with moms today, so I wanted to share with, about, with one of the favorite, my favorite verses or favorite passages in 2 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible with me, open up to 2 Corinthians, it's in the back of your book. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Now we've been going through this markup series, um, Broken to Beautiful, through 1 Corinthians as a church body. And the first thing that Adrian taught us when we get into the word of God is that we should look at context of what's happening. So let's take a second to look at what's going on in 2 Corinthians. Um, now the Corinth church was established by Paul on his first missionary journey in Acts 18. And the First Corinthian church had some issues. So the first letter that we've been going through as a church body um, was explaining some of the issues that the church had. And many of the people that read that letter still chose not to repent and not to um, turn to the way of God. So 2 Corinthians starts off with Paul making a, or reminding about the time that he made a painful visit to the church of Corinth to try and get them back on track. So 2 Corinthians, the letter, was written to the Corinthian church to be an encouragement to them, to help them know that Paul still loved them, still cared about them, even though his last visit was pretty painful, um, and that he desires them to follow the way of Jesus. 2 Corinthians talks about um, why the Corinthians rejected Paul. So they had this distorted view of um, what was important. They looked at people with fame and status who were eloquent in their speech as important. And they rejected Paul because he was weak and unimpressive in his suffering. But Paul reminds them that it's not about um, status, it's not about world fame, but instead it's about pointing others to Jesus. Paul talked about his credentials at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. He talks about how the old covenant that God made with Israel through Moses, and then the new covenant through Jesus and the cross, the life-giving, radically changing covenant of faith in Jesus. 
Paul turns the Corinthians' way of thinking upside down as um, he reminds them that Jesus did not come to this glorious place as king because of his power, because of his popularity, because of his fame in the world, but instead it was through his suffering on the cross. And then Paul reveals what the cross tells us, that the cross reveals God's salvation, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, that God's character is a character of self-giving love, and that we have a new way to live by imitating Jesus and imitating the cross. And that's where we're gonna pick it up today. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, um, 17 through 19 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away, behold, new things have come. Now all of these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is a new period of salvation history for the church. God chose to use Jesus, his only son, to be Christ, to be the Messiah, to reconcile humanity to himself. And what does reconcile mean? Reconcile means to make friends again. It's the act of God that takes our broken relationship with him and through the work of Jesus on the cross restores us to be able to have relationship with him again. Now, why is our relationship broken? Because of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they destroyed our perfect relationship with God. We have a sin nature. Every mom out here can testify today that you do not have to teach your children how to not share. And you don't have to teach your children to say no when you tell them to do something. No teen mom, teenage moms or moms of teenagers give elbows right now, okay? We have that sin nature, that's who we are. In and of ourselves, we can do nothing to reconcile with God. It is only because of the work that Jesus did on the cross that we can reconcile and be friends again with God. Now, just because God did this amazing work um, through Jesus and he gave us this free gift doesn't mean that every human will be reconciled with God. That's a choice that we need to make. This is a message that must be proclaimed. How awesome is it that God chooses to use his church body to proclaim this message to a world and that we can be a part of that? This message needs to be preached in our homes and to our children. They need to see us as parents living out a life of love and forgiveness and faithfulness in front of our children, not just with words, but with actions as well. God gives everyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus the ministry of proclaiming the good news of Jesus. It goes on in 2 Corinthians, verses 20 and 21, say, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul, as an ambassador for Christ, represented God's appeal to the Corinthians, not only to the Corinthians, but to the whole unbelieving world, that we need to be reconciled with God by embracing the gospel message. 
Because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, those who put their faith and trust in him can be deemed righteous in God's sight. That's good news, really good news. And what's amazing is we get to be part of that gift of reconciliation. So there are three things, moms, that I want you to take away from this, um, these verses. The first one is that your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. Verse 17 said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creature has come. The old has gone, the new is here. We can find our identity in, our, in Christ and Christ alone. We don't have to look at the things that we do. We don't have to look at our children and their behavior. We don't have to look at our careers. We can look at Christ and Christ alone. I cannot find, we cannot find our identity and our self-worth and our performance. Moms, it's so easy to get in the comparison game. It is so easy to look at our children and compare them how they're doing um, compared to someone else academically, socially, spiritually, athletically. We can't get caught in, in, that, in, in looking at the failures and successes of our children as our value and worth. So often we see that maybe something doesn't go the way we had desired or we had wanted, and then we take that on as our value, our self-worth. And that is not God's, what God desires. He wants us to find our identity in Christ, in Christ alone. How often do us moms or parents um, put our own expectations on our kids, working really hard to make them who we want them to be, rather than looking to see who God wants them to be and what God desires for them? Hannah, the mom of Samuel, left us an incredible example of how to do this. Now, Hannah was a mom or was a, a woman who desperately wanted to be a mom. And I just want to pause, and I know there are some of you out there that desperately want to be mothers and haven't had that opportunity, that have lost children who are trying and haven't been able to conceive. Know that the church is here to support you, to encourage you, to love on you, to pray with you. You are not alone. But Hannah had that, and she longed to have this child. She went to the church or the synagogue and prayed and prayed, saying, God, if you would just give me a child, I will give him back to you for your service. Well, God honored that, and he gave her a child. Um, and even though she had longed for this little baby all of her life, and now she finally had this little baby, she didn't grab him and hold him tight and, and go away from her promise. But instead, with great self-sacrifice, she, she handed that child back to the church to be raised by the church for his service. Now, I'm not saying that God's telling us to drop our kids off at the church to be raised by him, though I will not lie, there are many days I would have done that. But God does ask us to have our children in an open hand. He doesn't want us to grab hold and grab tight and make them who we want them to be or have them do what we want them to do. But instead, we need to pray over our kids. We need to give them over to God. We need to talk with one another and help encourage one another when we have a child that goes astray. We need to use that example of letting go of our children and putting them into the plan that God has for them. We cannot find our identity or our self-worth in our body image. 
Now, I'm still working on a little baby fat. Granted, my youngest is 23, but I still am working a little bit on trying to get that done. And don't get me wrong, it's important that we treat our bodies as temples and that we pay attention to what we're eating and exercising. Um, But we, as women, can do that to obsession sometimes. We can get to the point that all we see in the mirror is all we care about. All we look at is all I see. So we need to make sure that we are not taking this gift of exercise and and nutrition that God has given us and use it as an act of worship and not have it fall into an act of vanity or self-glorification. We cannot find our identity or self-worth in our careers, inside or outside of the home. I'm gonna be honest, the Christian community can be really rough on young moms. Some, of you will, some people will criticize you for not making um, your family your career. Some of you will criticize you for giving up your career to stay home with your children. Whether you stay home, whether you work at a career, we cannot get wrapped up in our identity with what it is we do. I had the blessed privilege of being able to stay home for 10 years with my kids, then work part-time for six, and then work full-time for the rest. God was very faithful in that opportunity, but in each one of those opportunities, I could not get caught up in what it was I was doing or have self-pride because I was doing one thing or another. I cannot find my identity. We cannot find our identity in our careers. Instead of looking at what we do, we need to constantly remind ourselves of whose we are that I can look and find my identity in Christ and Christ alone. That message of understanding that our identity is wrapped up in what God thinks about us and no one else also needs to be preached to our children. Our kids are living in a world that is crazy right now. With cell phones, social media, they have information at their fingertips that is incredibly destructive. With the immediate gratification of social media apps like Snapchat and other things, they immediately are being driven into, not all, but many are being driven into high schoolers, middle schoolers, even elementary students into depression and into anxiousness over what they're being bombarded by. The last four years of my teaching career, I taught computer science. And as a computer science teacher, we um, programmed a bunch and we talked about how apps were programmed. And after learning about how some of the social media apps were programmed, I challenged all my students to take a week break and say, put your phones away, don't look at social media for one week, and don't allow your phone to be in your room at night. Then I'd have them write a little reflection afterwards. The things these children would write made me cry. High school students telling me that they had not felt happy for so long. One girl wrote that she she felt happy for the first time in so long that she deleted all of her social media apps by Wednesday. Another told me that he hadn't slept that well and he didn't know how long. Another young lady talked about her desperation, her anxiousness, and her desire to know what was happening. And by Wednesday, she couldn't take it anymore and had to grab her phone, put her social media app on and look, and then realized, oh no, I can't live without this. I have a problem. And so we talked for a long time. Um, 
there were many days I kind of thought I was going to get fired at Lincoln East because I shared Jesus a lot, but um, we had a really good talk um, about where we could find our identity and where we could find our hope and not in the things of this world. This is a message um, that our kids need to hear daily in our homes. Just as Pastor Adrian has told us every day, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to preach that to our children, that their identity, their self-worth is not caught up in what culture and what this world has to say about them, but instead it is caught up in Christ and Christ alone. Moms and dads, if you love the Lord Jesus and asked him for forgiveness of your sins, you are a son or daughter of the king. Men and women, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, you are sons and daughters of the King Most High, masterpieces in the making, clay in the potter's hand. Where else would we want to find our identity or our self-worth but in Him, in our King, in our God, in our Creator? That is where we need to look for our identity and self-worth. So when we get caught up in looking at the performance of our children, or when we get caught up at looking at our careers, or we get caught up at looking at what the world has to say about us, remind yourself that you are a son or a daughter of the King Most High, and you have great, great value. The second thing I want you to take away is you have a ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 and 19 said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You have been given, if you love God, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You do not have to have a seminary degree or be a a pastor at a church to participate in the ministry of reconciliation. But you do need to be in God's word. And this can be hard for young moms. You're not sleeping much at night. People say, oh, get up early in the morning and have your quiet time. Oh, I didn't sleep last night, so I'm not sure what early in the morning is because I haven't really slept much. Okay, I get it. And then you're running to and from and you've got people pulling on you. You gotta be creative, but get in the word of God. Play it on a Bible app. Have a Bible app playing when you're sitting in a carpool lane. Have a Bible app playing when you're, you're um, nursing or when you're walking to, or taking your kids to school. Something, have the word of God saturating you. Put post-it notes around your house. My poor kids, I think, thought that was part of the decoration of our home. Um, Put post-it notes, especially where you need it. Maybe it's on the refrigerator, or maybe it's, I don't know, at bedtime in the bathroom. You need a verse of encouragement, and I can do this and get through this. The day's almost over. Okay, whatever you need, those verses you want to memorize that you can recall in times of need, be in the Word of God. When we're in the word of God, that helps us be able to truly live out a life in front of our children of how to, of who God is and how God loves them. We need to use this example of reconciliation that God gives us as we discipline our children. Um, Don't discipline out of fear, out of what are other people thinking, what are, where are they gonna go, what's gonna happen, Ah, discipline out of love. You find your identity in Christ and Christ alone, discipline in that way. Now, church, we need to be gracious with one another. How many of you moms out there have not come to a church gathering 
because you're fearful of what others may say about your child. But let's be honest with each other. Who has not had their kid laying on the middle of the floor in a grocery store screaming and crying because they can't push the cart that weighs more than themselves by themselves? Okay, we've all been there. We've all had those times. So as we have a, a young child having a hard morning, throwing a tantrum, don't look with judgment, look with grace, and smile and go, it's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. As our kids grow and they get older and their sins get greater and it's harder, don't judge each other, be gracious. Love each other, help encourage one another as our kids are, are learning how to walk with God. Restore your kids with forgiveness and grace. I am so thankful that I serve a God that did not say, eh, keep figuring it out, maybe I'll forgive you. Keep working on it and leave me hanging out there wondering if God was gonna restore me, if God was gonna forgive me. But no, instead, he grabs me the second I say, God, I messed up, and I'm sorry. He grabs me and he restores me, and he reconciles with me. We need to do that with our children. We can't hold things over them, lord over past mistakes over them, and keep pointing. That's not of God. We need to restore our children. Now, I'm gonna be honest. I love all of my kids, but I did not like them all, all the time. (laughs) There were times that they wronged me and that we had a separation in our relationship. But because I was mom and because I loved them, and love is a choice and an action, I chose to find a way to try and open up communication, to try and have a way that we could have conversations so that forgiveness and restoration and and forgiveness and reconciliation could happen. Now this can sometimes take time and periods of prayer, especially as your children get older. But it is an effort really, really worth or it's a pursuit really, really worth the effort. So take that time, and we as a church body need to be here for one another, to pray with one another, to console one another, as our children maybe have gone astray, not feeling judged, not feeling guilty, but instead feeling that love and encouragement from one another. Be creative in how you minister. Moms, just because you're a mom now doesn't mean that you don't use the gifts and talents God has given you for his glory. It may look different, And with each new stage of life and with each new um, step along the way as a mother, you're gonna face different challenges, but you're also gonna face different opportunities. Now my heart is all in on young college women. I love ministering and discipling young college women, as well as high schoolers. But when my kids were in elementary school, God stretched me and challenged me to reach out to their friends and to reach out to their parents. And my husband and I were able to run an FCA of 150 K through fifth graders. Whew, let me just tell you, I took a nap that afternoon every day. But that was an opportunity that stretched me, but it afforded an opportunity because I had kids that age. Look for the opportunities of how you can minister right where you are within the sphere of influence that you have. And be okay ministering in your mess. You do not have to have everything put together to minister to the body. I remember having a young woman over at my house discipling her, and I had three young kids running around, one who I'm not sure was clothed. There was stuff everywhere, the house was a mess, and I walked away with this young lady leaving, giving her a hug, going, whew, well that was a failure. Nothing happened positive there. But I talked to that young lady now, who is a mother of her own, 
And she reminds me of those times when she was in my house. And she goes, oh, it just gives me such peace when I remember back to those times because I know when my kids are running around and it's all crazy, it's okay. And it's all gonna work out. I had the wonderful opportunity of being the UNL women's basketball chaplain for several years when my kids were very small. And my three kids, all under the age of five, were at every chapel. And they would sit on the laps of the coaches and on the players as we would share. They would feed them enormous amounts of bacon and things that I probably wasn't real thrilled that they were eating just to kind of keep them quiet. But it was okay because I was able to show those young women on that team, you can still have a ministry. You can still share the good news of Jesus even when you're a mom. And I got to bring my kids into that ministry of reconciliation with that team. When we would pray at night, my kids would pray about, oh yeah, the one that played Ninja Turtles with me, that's the one I wanna pray, play, or pray with or pray for tonight. And they were able to pray for the, those girls that I was ministering to. And I got to bring them into that opportunity of reconciliation. The coolest thing about the gift of reconciliation that God has given all of you is that he does the work. We don't have to do anything. God is the only one that can move in the hearts and souls of people. He's the only one that can change those hearts and call them to himself. But he's asking us, allowing us to be a part of that incredible ministry. We get to have the opportunity to be used if we would make ourselves available to God. So moms, I challenge you. Think of a way in the sphere of influence that you have that you can minister to the people around you. That you can say, God, I wanna make myself available to be used by you today to further your kingdom. Third takeaway, we are all ambassadors for Christ. Verse 30, or 20 says, therefore we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. What is an ambassador? A representative. We talked about this in a couple series ago that we are citizens of another kingdom. We are God's ambassadors here on earth, representing him. How are we doing at that? How are we representing our God to our children, to the world around us? Are we showing them the love like Christ loves? Are we showing them the forgiveness like Christ forgives, the graciousness like Christ is gracious? Now, I don't know about you, but I failed miserably at this over and over with my children. And I had to go to them and ask for forgiveness because we're not perfect at this. This is hard, this is, this is tough. It's hard stuff to be able to be an ambassador for Christ, but is what we are being called to do. One way that we as parents can be ambassadors for Christ is by how we view the things that our children are involved in. Kearney is an incredible community and there are tons of things that our kids can be a part of. But how we view them and what the purpose is behind what our kids are doing is what's important. Now, I work for a sports ministry, so I'm gonna talk about this for just a moment, but you can put any activity that you have inside here, whether it be academics, theater, music, whatever. Um, but we are, um, we are called to be ambassadors as we look at what our children are doing. 
the problem, well, when I look at sports, sports is an incredible activity, I think, for students to learn lessons of life. Emotions come at you harder and faster than they do in real life, but the consequences of how you deal with those emotions aren't as great as in real life. So if you mess up on the court or the field, well, it's okay, you can recover, you can try it again and do it again. Sports are an incredible opportunity for us to teach ourselves and our children how to respond in the spirit rather than reacting in the flesh. The problem comes in sports is when we as parents begin to idolize our children through the game of sport. It is so easy after a game to tell our kids what they did wrong, what they should have done instead, to criticize their coach, to criticize the referees, to, um, to not encourage them in the way that God has desired us to encourage. If we wanna be ambassadors for Christ through the medium of our kids' activities, when they get done, instead of being critical, look at them and say, wow, it was so amazing how you encouraged your teammate with the love of Christ. I loved how you responded when that ref made a horrible call, but you responded in a righteous and good way and you let it go and you kept moving on. I'm really proud of that. If you see a character issue in them, you know what, address it. Great time to address a character issue when you um, see something um, that your child does on the court. Definitely address it with them because they'll have an opportunity to rebound and, do, and to do better next time. Those of you who are parents out there that are coaching, oh my goodness, what an incredible opportunity you have for the Ministry of Reconciliation with those kids in your care and their parents. But I have to stop there because that's a whole nother talk in and of itself and I could go for a really, really long time. Um, but this is an area in our culture that if we as Christians look different, can have incredible opportunities to share the hope that lies within us with all those around us. Moms, we need women teach, or coaching our little girls. So take a chance, get out there, teach some young soccer. They don't really know what they're doing anyway. It's okay. So get out there, teach some skill and love on some kids. Sports and activities have a place in our families but we need to be intentional on how we choose to use those activities within our families. Remember, your identity is wrapped up in Christ and Christ alone. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation and you are being called to be an ambassador for Christ in all that you do. I wanna go back to my young daughter that I was holding in my hands. Um, at the beginning, she, when she turned five, she shared some incredible theology with me. In her little five-year-old way, I was talking with her and sharing how much Jesus loved her and how much he wanted to come inside her heart and be the most important thing in her life. And she goes, Mom, if I'm so little and Jesus is so big, if he comes inside, won't he stick out? <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute, and then I told myself, or told her, yes, he should. He should stick out. So people, let's be people who love God in a way that he sticks out in our lives. 
Moms, minister to your children, knowing that your identity is found in Christ and Christ alone. And live a life on mission, living a life with the ministry of reconciliation at the forefront of all that you do. Let's pray. God, I wanna thank you so much um, for the opportunity to be able to encourage and build up moms here today. God, we praise you and thank you that you are a God who loves us, that we are sons and daughters of the King Most High and that you have called us to your family. Lord, I praise you and thank you that you allow us to be part of your ministry of reconciliation if we would only make ourselves available to be used by you. So Lord, I pray that as we go about this next week, that we would look at areas in our lives that we can see opportunities that we could take part in the ministry of reconciliation, that we could be better ambassadors for you in all we do. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage moms, if their children are struggling, if they're struggling, that they would know that we are a church body who comes together and encourages and builds one another up. But I pray that we as a, a body of, of believers could come together around moms and dads and help them as, as their children are learning the way of the Lord. God, we praise you and we thank you and we give you this day and we praise you for the blessings that children are.